0: Hello and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today I have Wendy Bourne, who's all the way from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, welcome, Wendy.
1: Thank you, Julian. It's lovely to be here.
0: Uh, it's lovely to have on have you on the show. And uh, we had a really nice chat before we got on here. But I want to tell the audience a little bit about you. You are an uh-huh. engaging facilitator, and I certainly say that you are incredibly engaging in our conversation already. Um, Thank you. You're a coach, you're a speaker and author, um, uh, you work with executives and senior leaders and leadership teams to create sort of high performance in organisations that deliver that wow factor and mm-hmm. you've got more than 25 years of experience in the corporate uh, and management roles. Uh, you're also a certified uh, coach uh, and you've launched two books. Um, we're going to be looking at one of them today uh, which is mm-hmm. um, all about raising leaders and, um, and, and I guess the direction of, of our conversation today, will be looking at how we can use uh, the principles of parenting uh, to uh, become a great leader and using those aspects uh, into our day-to-day uh, leadership roles. But before we uh, get into that, I just want to ask, uh, as I ask all my guests, um, what do you love about what uh, you do?
1: Oh, that's easy. The uh, most... The best thing that I love about what I do is actually talking to people and hearing all their amazing stories because everybody has such incredible stories and to listen to them and and get them to share them with you is just um, a privilege and um, it's the best part of my job. I really love it. Brilliant. And have you always
0: been? In that environment of helping people and working with people to achieve those sort of goals?
1: Yes, yes, over the years um, I, in the last six or so years, I've been actually formally coaching, um but as I look back over my career in corporate, i I was actually coaching in an informal capacity um, and helping people to kind of get 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 what they want out of out of their career and and sometimes their personal life as well, which is is really it's rewarding. It's mm-hmm. it's great great job to have.
0: So, so you've written this book this year, uh, raising leaders, and yeah. it's taking the sort of parenting approach um, mm-hmm. uh, and bringing that into, or the principles, I should say, and bringing yeah. that into to leadership. Um, mm-hmm. I, I suppose I want to understand really a the so sort of what what got you to those. Um, Parallels, um, yeah. and and then how have you used that in the context of of of, of leadership?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's interesting. Over the years, um, you know, I've always been fascinated with leadership—the good, the bad, and the ugly—and um, uh, more so in the last even twelve months to watch um, leaders around the world has been quite fascinating. Um, but then I had my own family as well, and um, I've been raising my two kids, which uh, I've got two teenagers, um, which is you know an interesting experience in itself, and um, and it's it's funny. I would go to work and feel and have conversations with my people that was very similar to the conversations I was having with my kids, and um, there's a bit of deja vu um throughout those two roles. And um and then, then I started to kind of formulate these these principles which apply to both um experiences. And and what I found was that the two are very relatable experiences. So we all know when we see great leadership and we all know when we see bad leadership. And we can all relate to parenting either because we've got our own kids or you know we've been raised by parents and so see as we get older we can see you know what what our parents went through and and so we can relate to both experiences and then then I started to say to people oh I'm thinking about writing a book about the similarities between parenting and um raise and leading people and I would always get oh yeah and <laughs> so that's when I kind of knew I was onto something so yeah
0: okay that's yeah. interesting and just, yeah. just staying with the the parenting bit because mm-hmm. just as a I've been in an organization where and you you might be able to address this because I think there's a, a potentially people way have concerns about comparing parenting and leadership uh, not in the sense of the roles and how you explain it but more the fact that treating employees like children um yeah. and and we know that um people have that sort of I mean, I've been in organisations where there's been that parent-child relationship, which is, as we know, is very toxic, unhelpful, Mm. not effective, and Mm. not very um, dignified in that context. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure, and I know your book's not about that, but in terms of how do we help people to get away from that or not using this as focus so much on parenting, they end up treating their employees like, you're like my teenager, but you're not. You're an adult. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's right, and look, I'm not for a minute suggesting that um, our employees are like children, uh, although some days you could kind of be forgiven, so however, um, the, it's um, very much around applying similar principles that, that we have when we raise children and you can apply them in the workplace, however, from a different um, angle. Almost, And, you know, you're right. You, you know, it's in, in the, my book, I talk about how people can often uh, reflect different relationships that they have with um, parents or siblings in the workplace. So, for example, you know, somebody might work for a senior male and um, there might be almost like a um, father-son or a father-daughter kind of relationship playing out at work. Um or similarly, you know if you have a colleague and you know you you were very competitive with your brother or sister, you could also apply that competitiveness with the colleagues that you work for. Mm. Does that all make sense? It does yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can. and but I guess being aware of that um, is um, the first step in being able to to manage it. Really.
0: Yeah. And what yeah. advice would you give to people where they're, they're perhaps seeing they may be deemed that the child in the organisation or the leader that suddenly go into this mode of treating people like children, or of the parent child? How would you get them to get to that more adult adult sort of uh, relationship? Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's all about changing your response, um, because sometimes, you know, we, uh, in organisations we respond from an adult child perspective. So it's it's very much around responding from an adult perspective and helping the other person to respond from an adult perspective as well. And you know, sometimes that might be just an open and honest conversation around, you know, um, we should approach our relationship differently or we can build trust, work on building trust um better so that we can have more open and honest conversations.
0: Okay. So it's almost like it's almost like um I think I talked to Siobhan McHale recently. She talked about how they did some reframing in terms of their roles yes. and, and instead of telling everybody you know this is what hr's about mm. they went on and just did it and and used that sense of role modeling in the sense of and then people start to see oh that's what hr do or they're doing something differently but they're just doing it and they're not shouting yeah. about it they're reframing yeah. their role and progressing yeah. and then the impact of because uh, we know that you know, role modelling, and you talk about it as well uh, in your book, about is a, is a powerful thing. And we know role modelling in in parenting is scarily a, an impactful thing, and we have to be very mindful of it. But I think people forget about it sometimes in the workplace, don't they?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. And as leaders, like parents, we are always on show, and our people are watching us the, all of the time that we are there. And they uh, do what we do and they say what we say. And, you know, what you, as a leader, what you step over, you endorse, really. Mm. And so being conscious of what you're saying and what you're doing and that the two are aligned and our words, actions, and behaviours are consistent. Um, and it's the same with parenting. You know, you, how often have we heard our kids repeat back to us, all those wonderful things we say, usually at the most inopportune time, and um, and yeah, it's so it's exactly the same principle. Our, our kids are always watching us as well,
0: yeah. It's interesting, I think our kids call us out more than people in the workplace, don't they? Because my kids yes. do it all the time. Well, you said this the other day, why are you? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> I think they're, they're, they're quite happily because there's a relationship and obviously a safety and context, but it's interesting. Yes. So to taking your the parallels or I could say the mm-hmm. principles that you've you've identified mm-hmm. in, in parenting what what yeah. are they and, and how are they yeah. helpful to sort of bring into that sort of workplace
1: yeah so there's five principles uh, the first one is love so at the foundation of every family is love and so we need to bring love into our work teams but love at work is different to family love and love at work is about connection with our people. Um, it's about respect for one, other, one, for one another and it's also about forgiveness. You know, over the years I've seen so many leaders um, uh, find that they just can't forgive somebody for doing or making a mistake mm. and yet we, we readily forgive our kids all the time. And we need to apply that forgiveness uh, at work as well mm. because that's how people learn and grow and develop. And so, you know, it, it's an important part of love in, in our teams. Um, the next one is environment. And, you know, we want our kids to have a happy and safe home environment and the same applies at work. So we want um, not only a physical, a safe environment, but we also want psychologically safe environment, so that our people feel safe to raise their concerns, call us out when when we're doing the wrong thing or we're doing inconsistent things. Um, and but it's also about setting expectations and consequences. So like we do with our kids, we set clear expectations, and if they don't meet that expectations, you know there are consequences. And the same applies to the people that we lead. And so we, so being clear on that is is critical
0: just just going on back onto that sort of uh, yeah. psychological safety um, yeah what other ways can we create that and obviously we're, mm. the environment in the context of people are working a lot more from home as well yeah
1: uh,
0: and how do we create that environment that's still a, a working environment but it's in our homes which is mm. slightly different um yeah. but also how do we keep people psychologically safe in that context mm. as well so what are the things mm-hmm. that you found in from a from your conversations, but also for what you've learned over years.
1: Yeah. so um, at the, at the very foundation of a psychologically safe team is trust. And if you don't have trust um, and solid trust in the relationships in your team, psychological psychological safety will be difficult to get to. So um, my advice there is to build trust. Trust is a ongoing process. it's not an event. And so, you. Mm -hmm. We, as leaders, we need to be conscious that we're constantly working at building trust with our people, both to our people and also within our our teams, people to people. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you can do that through. uh, I always recommend to my clients to find commonality between uh, you and your people. So, Mm -hmm. as as we um, talk to our people you know, when we find things in common, neurologically, that says to our brains, uh, says to us, you know, this person is like me. So, if this person is like me, I can trust them. Mm. And so, that's a really nice way to actually start to build trust. And, you know, vulnerability is also a really great way to build trust as well. Um, And people always, when I say vulnerability, they always kind of get frightened and run away um, but you know you don't need to you know cry in front of your team members to be vulnerable you can no. do that really nicely through sharing stories you mm. know um, telling people where you've done something and you've failed or you've made a mistake and what you learned from it mm. and, and they're really nice low vulnerability state uh, stories that help to actually increase trust as well.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you touched on something that vulnerability is not about pouring out your guts and no. and weeping all the time. It, it, yes. It's been that sort of open transparency. Uh, but also sometimes, yeah. you know, we talk about, you know, Brené Brown talks about, you know, courageous leadership as being a vulnerable leadership where you're stepping yeah. into that arena and yeah. you may be stepping into something where you're not entirely comfortable with, but actually yeah. by people seeing your vulnerability, seeing that you don't have it all together, mm. you you may have success mm. actually creates a real trust in this leader who they want to yeah. be and I think yeah. trust as you say is, is vital and you know, building that, and it's it's not on events because I think mm. people do see an event. All oh, right, I need to build trust. This is how I do it, yeah. and like I build rapport. Yeah, get to know, I've done that now. Actually, it's an ongoing process because you can yeah. lose trust in a in a in a heartbeat. Um, oh, so you, you
1: certainly can. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. It's you know, it, it doesn't take much to to destroy trust, um, and and once you have, it's a long road back. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a, it's a precious thing, and it needs to be constantly in in front of mind. Yeah, and I, I think yeah.
0: it's, it's it's a thing that's forgotten sometimes in society how how big of an impact. And we don't mm. we all constantly are measuring the level of trust with whether it's a, a government official, through to your next door neighbour, through to yeah. your child saying, "Oh, I didn't do that." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's, there's trust things there's this, we're constantly assessing it automatically yes yeah. uh, and I think yeah. if we know that people are i guess it's this, this, this role modeling bit and I, I don't know got going back but it's the power mm. of people just observing you and I don't there's a, there's a, a guy called Bandura who did the social learning theory which is all about role modeling and how powerful mm. people observe. Just by the subconscious, the values, everything comes yeah. across in what yeah. you see. So, so if you're saying something and there's a disconnect with the actual what you are really saying,
1: oh, people, people can people see it
0: a mile away. it doesn't feel right, but I'm not, I can't, nah. I can't see it what it is. Yeah, but it doesn't feel right. It just feels disingenuous. Doesn't feel there's no evidence in my 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 sort of neurological sort of subconscious for that yes. being trustworthy. And I think that's really vital, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, it's interesting. I talk about that in my first book that, you know, people, it, you know, they can smell out, uh, you know, uh, bullshit, by the way, really. And so, you know, you, you don't want to stand in front of them and tell them, you know, rubbish, because they will see right through you and, and yeah. you, you know, you'll, you'll lose their trust. And, and once you've lost their trust, as I said, it's a long road back. Absolutely, mm. no, that's good.
0: Mm. So so you've got love, we've got environment, which is key. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: the next one well. is health, health, yeah. And so, you know, um, we want our kids to grow up healthy and happy and, um, and we also want um, a uh, physically and mentally healthy environment in our teams as well. And, you know, research uh, shows that there's a positive correlation between a health-focused workplace and engagement in our team, innovation as well, and also productivity. So um, making sure that um, we are healthy ourselves and we set the example for our people Mm. and, you know, it can be as simple as going home at 4 o'clock once a week, you know, showing your people that, you know, you're not there from, you know, dusk till dawn or dawn till dusk and um, you know, you you care about your physical health and your mental health and mm. and leading the way and also um, uh, encouraging your people to to do similar things as well. You know, I used to work with a team um, who used to uh, have lunch together once a week. So they would um, all bring in something healthy and they'd sit around the table in the lunchroom and they would share a healthy meal together. Which was, you know, really lovely thing to
0: do. That's really so. good. It's interesting because uh, it, going on that whole well-being piece. Um, yeah. Some people think well-being is just about, I don't know, an organisation, you know, providing fruits or gyms, yes. uh, and they're all they're all valid and they're really good. Yeah. But th- there's something about you, you took Tom time, to it's quite the sociable side, where whether it's you know breakfast together or lunch together, and, yeah. or we all go out and. The, the, the sociability piece, because we're obviously social animals, mm. yeah. uh, and so we like being with people, and actually mm. creating those contexts is really good for well being. Because also, then you, mm. you have those little side conversations, or people then pick up and share a bit more because they're building a yeah. relationship, trust, yeah. and then they start, to yeah. Say, oh, yeah, I'm struggling with this at home, or really fine working from home. Yeah. And they start to help, and the team in that social context yeah. really does bind them together uh, and, yeah. and, and, and in terms of a well being approach, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting over the last six months since um, COVID all came about, I do some work with um, a, a group called Victorian Leaders, and we are a networking and educational uh, group. And since COVID came in, we started to catch up online via Zoom every Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And, you know, um, we'd, we'd have a, a glass of wine or a beer and we'd all kind of have a chat online um, for, you know, about an hour. And what we found was that we were connecting more. Even wow. though we were away from each other and it was all online, we, we had some of our members saying, Or I feel more connected with this group than I did when we all met face to face. Really, so yeah. So you know, I wouldn't let um, your online stop you. I think you can you can still connect with people online. Mm. You just need to do it consciously.
0: Yes, it's got to be sort of an intent, isn't it? And uh, and even even within teams, I've, I've I've encouraged lots of leaders to. Almost allow somebody who's a bit more of an advocate in your team to perhaps be the one that organises it. In a sense of mm. whether they is more sociable, whether it's more of a games, or, or, mm. or just create those environments and don't mm. make it too formal. Make it quite relaxed, yes. as you would going down to a, to a restaurant or a pub. But um, yeah, but having somebody in the team facilitate it, a will mm. can but they'll canvas some reality of what they really want.
1: Yeah, uh, and Great also idea.
0: the whole peer to peer pressure creates a bit of a oh well so-and-so did it we can't really diss this because she's one of us in that sense you know not (laughs) the Nozzle and them in leadership but yeah i think that's really important because i had one leader who was almost becoming i think it was almost like a midday thing they were doing a a catch-up trying to do water cooler type things
1: oh yeah
0: and it, it, it started to become a bit of a bind and it started to become a bit of a stress people were not coming to it uh, uh, just because it was just it was slightly forced and i just said yes. to her, why don't you just ask one of your team members who's more into the social side mm-hmm. to do something organize it and they and mm-hmm. they switched it to more of a once a week yeah. um i think they did it more towards the end of the week um more even yeah, like huh. having a glass of wine or something at uh, on a four o'clock on yeah. a friday so and it, yeah. it started yeah. to create a little bit more revive and then also she was allowed empowered them to do it so she didn't have mm-hmm. to be involved in organizing it's nice you know, and then she could just turn up and actually be sociable as well without yeah. a sense of i've got a purpose i'm the leader here i'm you know just yeah you know, just chat to people
1: and that's right yeah. and you know by allocating it to other people we, you know they become they feel more empowered as well um so i think that's a brilliant idea yeah. i really do yeah that's cool
0: so what so what else you you've got two more in terms of your principles
1: Yes, so we've already touched on one a little bit. So um, the fourth one is language, and this is about making sure that our words, actions and behaviours are always aligned mm. um, because, you know, as we said earlier, we're always on show as we are as parents, yeah. and um, our, our people will repeat back the things that we do and the things that we say, um, and we may not be in the room Um But you know it will it will be done, and you know same with our kids. So, um, so we've kind of talked on that. And the fifth one is around vision. So we want our kids to grow up and be well functioning, normal, healthy adults. And so the same applies for our team. We want we need to give have a vision, Mm. um, which is a plan for the team, um, and a vision that people. Uh, understand and connect with, um, and also that they understand the purpose of the team and the purpose of the organization and how the two connect. Mm. Because when we understand the purpose of the organization, we're able to connect the work that we do on a daily basis to the long term vision. Mm. And this is about very much around using plain language, like we do with our kids also you know it's plain and simple everyday language at work mm. you know don't bombard them with great big long words and mm. you know keep keep things very simple but also able to paint the picture for the
0: future yeah. and it's, it's having that vision of the future isn't it that obviously a brighter future something to aim for and whether you call it vision mission purpose um they're the ones that it keeps you rooted, you know, and we've had a year where your vision may still be valid. And there may be some tweaks on it, um, yeah. but your how and your timing is somewhat changed. But as long as you can, and, it's, and I, I talk about this in, not in resilience, as long as you keep mindful of that, that purpose, mm. and keep an eye on that. Yes. Mm. You might have some boulders and some things in the way now. Yeah. And yeah. you might have to do different routes and you might have to do different ways of doing things. Um, mm. It's still valid, and it keeps that motivation. And that, and I've always encouraged teams to gal- galvanize through that again to get that energy back from your vision, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, and you're right. You know, this this is just being goodness. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard the word unprecedented in the last <laughs> six months, um, I'm know, using this, a new
0: word now. I'm using the word extraordinary. It's my beautiful. <laughs> <new>, uh... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I like it. Um, but it is, and, you know, now more than ever we need to be adaptable and, you know, change the things that we're doing and the plans that we had in place. Um, but involving our people in those coming up with new ideas and and changing the way we do things to adapt to be able to achieve that vision um, is critical. Because, and, you know, I always say to my um, the leaders that I work with, You know, empowering our people is 50% them owning it, but it's also 50% you letting go because, you know, you need to let go of the outcome. And while five and five makes 10, so does eight and two, and so does seven and three. So it doesn't matter how you get there or how your people get there, you'll still get to 10 So letting them come up with their own ideas, letting go and letting and empowering them is Mm. critical in and and then that blows on to building trust and um, and connection as well. Mm. And, you know, if our people fail, you know, forgiveness and supporting. So, you know, it's all intrinsically linked as leaders. Mm. Yeah,
0: no, and I think you've shared some really sort of valuable lessons um, in terms of those principles, you know, love mm-hmm. environments, uh, the health and well-being
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and the language you use and the vision. And I think okay. as as leaders and one sort of big takeaway and reminder for me today really is, you know, as much as you are a role model for our children and we always talk about, you know, our children having been around good people to have good role models. Uh, I think we need to remind ourselves that, A, we are a role models for our children, which we're probably more mindful of. But mm. actually, the moment you step into your organisation, whether on a Zoom call or in a in, a, in the room, mm. people are looking. And they might not be consciously looking, but they're subconsciously looking. And I think not that we have to be perfect – but Mm. just be mindful of what we're saying and how we're saying it and what we're doing because, in fact, role modelling is probably more powerful than actually sometimes a training course or just telling somebody.
1: Absolutely.
0: inspirational leading and and just just seeing it happen, isn't it, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on on leaders and sometimes we don't get it right. Mm. And being able to say to your people, when you don't get it right, that you didn't, and say, you know, well, I made a mistake on this one. You know what? what I've learned from it is this. And so, you know, let's let's find another way and move on. And that's mm. that's really powerful. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and totally. people connect with that because it says it says to you, people, well, you know, he's human, he or she's human. <laughs> so you know, that's yeah. and that's okay. So I agree it's it's really powerful stuff
0: no brilliant well well, thank you for coming on today thank you for sharing your insights from your book um i guess where can people if they want to connect with you uh, but also where can they hold of the book uh, if they want to go and purchase it
1: yeah so connect with me on linkedin i would love to i love connecting with people so please reach out say hi and um connect on linkedin that that you know don't be shy um and you can buy my book through uh, any online bookstore, so Amazon or um, I don't know if you, do you have Booktopia or uh, that might be an Australian thing? Uh, <laughs> but any online bookstore, you should be able to uh, search it and it will be there.
0: Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your time and, and your mm-hmm. sharing today, Wendy. Appreciate that.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organisation to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.